Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye and anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Top Beef. Grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. B. Let's talk about these big-ass dump trucks. First one, though. This is going to be a multi-titled game. This is the Backers' big one. Also, the Midwest Corn Fest Game of the Week. Number six, Ohio State. One on out to South Bend to play number three, Notre Dame. Boy, B, we got blessed. We got to go to this game. We got blessed by Touchdown Jesus himself. We were sitting in the corner of the end zone where the winning touchdown happened. Man, these Notre Dame fans were awesome. They were very welcoming. Crowd was electric. Just a freaking beautiful moment. But I got a, I got a knock on the Irish. Just a little bit of a knock on the Irish. That stupid ass play like a champion today is the cheapest coach slogan I've ever heard, man. I mean, come on, coach. Great speech. You've told me to play like a champion. Here I am. I'm feeling like the cheesiest, just like those stupid ass cheese it commercials. I guess Notre Dame fans just love that cookie cutter Christmas cookie bullshit. You know, enough of angry. AJ, let's get back to this game. These offenses must be fans of Struggle Jennings because that's all they did all night was struggle. Struggled like a redneck tattooed rapper. Man, you kind of got me images of that jelly roll, man. Minus the rapper part. I mean, Struggle Jennings be singing with old jelly roll, so right there, man. But these defenses, they were light out. They came out to play, and I don't mean around. They just came out straight to play. This game had everything. This is like your darkest fantasy. It had everything you could ask for. Fourth down stops, fourth down conversions. Both teams at different times of this game look like they were going to win. Then you get a walk-off touchdown at the last second. Shit, I'm still rizzed up from this one, beef. Yo, man, there's some things that people might be missing when they're looking at this game. The DBs on both teams, the linebacker play on both teams. They were covering well with those receivers out. I mean, both teams were looking to pass. They were looking to be a balanced attack. But the wide receivers were covered. They only had the open man. They had to take what the defenses gave them because there was no missed coverages, hardly any. And Notre Dame has a good offense. It showed well all season until this game, really. I mean, they struggled a little bit this game, but so did Ohio State's offense. Ohio State's offense has had their ups and downs all season. But to me, these defenses are right up there with the top Ds in America. Ohio State, second in the nation, allowing just 8.5 points per game. Notre Dame, number 16 right now, allowing just 12.8 points per game. I mean, that's pretty special. A game like this, a game of this magnitude, what all these people could do, coming together, keeping those offenses shut down, keeping some of the best receivers in the nation's running backs in the nation's kind of shut down a little bit and like you like you talked about man that tradition there is second to none i can't even go into how awesome it is just to be in a game like that and i think we're gonna get into it more later but it's just a special place to be yeah and it kind of reminded me a little bit about what one of the announcers said i believe it was during the fsu clemson game you got to score points to win I'm like no shit captain obvious you gotta score points to win the game I do remember that moment. I was like, Jesus, Lord, this guy. Just all over football. I'm glad he's getting paid to announce it. But yeah, man, this atmosphere is one of the best I've ever seen. Shout out to whoever came up with the idea of the green LED 
wristband that flashed with the DJ and his music. I mean, that shit was awesome. I mean, the energy was pumping like a kid with ADD. Yeah, everyone was standing the entire game. No one was asking people to sit down. I fucking hate it when that happens. I hate going in a stadium where I can't stand up and enjoy it. Man, I come to football games for it to be a pleasure, not to be hounded by some old ass man being like, yo, sit down. I mean, I get it. If you're having a hard time, you can't stand, your knees hurt, stay at home and watch it on the fucking couch, asshole. I love how hyped this game was. I was so fucking amped up all game. No caffeine, no alcohol even needed. The tradition was excellent. The game exuded excellence all over. But as far as the stadium, like Jack Sawyer said when I interviewed him, when I asked him if it compared to the shoe, it's like, no way, man. I love the shoe so much better. And we kind of talked to this off record earlier. I mean, just that double deck, the height, absolute size of Ohio Stadium in comparison to Notre Dame Stadium. It's just different, man. The shoe's a little different. The fans were electric, and that's what made this a special game. The tradition around the stadium, touchdown Jesus, going to the grotto, seeing game day there. I mean, it was just an awesome setup, and they're tailgating a second to none outside that stadium, too. I mean, it was definitely amazing. Man, at the end of this game, though, you could hear a pin drop in a once-pumping stadium. During that review, you, you could hear everything. You could hear the wind blowing. You could hear the grass blade switching back and forth. Like, it was quiet up in that bitch. Once that review came out, man, Notre Dame's fans were left stunned. They are just sitting there lying on the bleachers in disbelief. Even though Ohio State fans were in shock that they won it on a walk-off, touchdown. It was even eerily quiet walking out the stadium. The only thing you could really hear was Ohio State's band playing on their way out. But man, if you're an Ohioan who roots for the Buckeyes, after the game, man, Ryan Day had to have you pumped on Buckeye Viagra after his comments. What you gotta say about that beef? Yeah, we gotta play this video at some point, man. We gotta hear the words from Ryan Day himself. What do you think about that? You wanna toss that up? Let's toss it up now. Yeah, you look at Coach Day, he has lost to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice, and everybody that beats him does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will take that same approach. I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team, what he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. It's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. The hell, that's got me so pumped up, man, as an Ohio State fan, as a lover of college football. I love when these coaches talk out. I mean, I love it. Standing up for your team. And we got a bunch of coaches climaxing out of their mouth this week, starting with Ryan Day at the end of the game. Man, he's just trying to build a family-type atmosphere on his team. He's standing up for his family. He teaches those kids, yo, we're family. This is a brotherhood. So the leader of that brotherhood has got to fight for the team, right? Got to fight for that brotherhood. I mean, I have no real problem with what Lou Holtz said, but I get it. I get where Day's coming. Lou Holtz, as an analyst and as a fan, you can say those things, and that's okay. And I just feel like maybe Ryan Day is one of those nice guys, maybe a little bit of a passive-aggressive type man. And when it comes to the media, he just holds everything in until, bam, it exploded. I mean, from the comments like, born on third base, the comment from Jim Harbaugh, because Ryan Day inherited a gold mine, and, and just like from everyone else. They're a finesse team. They have no toughness. Day's just pissed. And this team is obviously one of his tough teams. I mean, they're grinding shit out. The only thing that I think needs to change is that play calling, man. A jet sweep to the short side of the field on a fourth down at the end of a game. 
man, you got to punch that through the middle and know you can do it if you want to be called a tough team, man. Yeah, no doubt. Sometimes I think he tries to outsmart people instead of using toughness, and maybe that's where it comes from. I don't think doubt the team is tough. I don't doubt he's tough, but I can see how people kind of come to that conclusion when he tr- I think he tries to outsmart people. But yeah, man, huge, huge win for the Buckeyes. 17-10, scoring the last touchdown with one second remaining. Fucking beautiful game beautiful atmosphere it was college football it is college football but let's move on let's go ahead and talk about number 19 colorado traveling out to oregon beef we called this one we said this cinderella story was about to come to an end and boy did it come to an end to the showing of oregon's 42 to colorado 6 like this shit got ugly Deion Sanders and his Cinderella story met midnight. Back to the pumpkin patch for these imposturing wannabe buffs. Colorado had a shelf life ranked in the top 25 like fucking whole milk. Everybody not on the buffs bandwagon knew this team was a lie. You could see it in the lines. The O-lines and the D-lines to be specific. And by the way, Dan, you owe me $125 for that pregame speech. I mean, me and B were leaving the stadium after watching Ohio State and Notre Dame. We decided to throw on some college football radio, and what's the first thing we hear? Fucking Dan Lanning saying, we play for win, not for clicks. Man, that speech had me pumped to the point of 75 and a 55. Thanks, Dan. Beave, you got you to gotta have something. Dude, again, these are too good. You got to cue that up. We got to play that shit. We got to hear from Lanning himself, man. I want to hear that shit get pumped up again. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. And there's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Right? It's going to be played on the grass. Let's go. But we got to turn to the other side, man. Dion, after the game, he's got to be made fun of a little bit, man. I mean, he he's trying to say it's like teams are trying to beat him. It's not about me. And then the next sentence... He goes and makes it about him. Starts talking about his fucking career and shit. Like living the glory days. Like, dude, just be the coach. If you want to start talking shit about people not making it about you, don't make it about you in the very next fucking sentence, man. I mean, I I love the hype that Dion's creating. It's just like sometimes, man, you got to get yourself out of the spotlight. Get these kids into it. I'm okay with the sunglasses. I'm okay with the cowboy hat. I think that's all awesome. I think the attention he's got is great for college football. It's great for Colorado. And I do think he's right. Something he said is really right. It's a sentence that he should have said. He should have just led with that instead of talking about his career. He's like, you're getting me at my worst now. And I agree with that. I mean, he's going to bring in some recruits and they're going to be a lot better next year. And he's going to hit up that transfer portal. I don't know if it's going to be 63 people, but he's going to hit it up again and they're going to be better next year. Better believe it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And a lot of people, they only see this battle. They only see this game. And I think some of these coaches' speech isn't just about this game, right? Like Oregon's been losing players to Colorado, and a lot of people have, not just Oregon, to Deion Sanders and and what he's putting together. So like this is beyond the game. This is recruiting wars, that whole we don't play for clicks, we play for wins. Like This isn't just meant for the specific battle. There's a lot of preparation that goes in these battles, and that's recruiting. And that's what both of these guys are doing. They're both trying to get clicks. And speaking of clicks, Oregon, what are they freaking known for? For being flashy and having the flashy jerseys. I mean, come on, man. Y'all are built from the same cloth. But I still love the speech. Yeah, they're all trying to get clicks, dude. Every single one of these coaches is trying to get clicks. It's just Prime found an easier way to get clicks than the rest of them had to build that shit up. 
And he got there because he was there to start. I mean, he was already a cultural phenomenon in America. Athletic phenomenon. World Series. Super Bowl. Let's, let's talk about his team that he played for back in college because they had another great game. We have Florida State at Clemson. This was an overtime game. Florida State takes it 31-24. to Instant classic. All these games that we had picked out and said, hey, tune in. This is the best college football week since 2006. They all hit, except for the Colorado-Oregon game, which we both just talked about. That was the only one that got out of hand, but the rest of these, man, they were just super good, super competitive, close games. I mean, we got knocked for ranking Florida State high on the NIL fan vote poll. You All you haters, y'all can fuck off, man. We were right about Florida State. They got wins over LSU and Clemson early. Dabo's in serious trouble this year. He's already out of the playoffs in September. This is the first time he's lost back-to-back conference games ever. He's going to have to do some soul-searching, man. Like, he's going to have to figure out how to deal with his transfer portal he's so hard against. Florida State, though, they got freaking Clemson and Death Valley. They got that monkey off their back. They got the W, man. And they don't win there often. So that's huge for Florida State. Like, huge. I don't think people are going to recognize how huge this is because it's Clemson hasn't looked great this year. That's a huge monkey to get off your back. They got two of the best wins in college football. They're putting a whole new meaning on that seminal win because it's seminal win. Beef, get after this one. Hey, man, we were right. We can pat ourselves on the back when we're right. And when we're right, we're right. Florida State was the team. And we knew it. We did a lot of research on that. We knew what they had coming in, what they had coming back and what they brought in from the transfer portal. Not everyone does that, so I give them credit. They were just looking on the past, and that's why we do our poll the way we do our poll, because we don't look at the past. It's all about what have you done for me now, this year. The past doesn't mean shit. It's a new year. Man, we can't, we got to stop judging teams on what they did last year. It's stupid. doesn't make any sense. Anyway, look at their schedule going forward, man. Virginia Tech, Syracuse. Duke is actually a surprisingly good team this year. At Wake Forest, at Pittsburgh. They got Miami at home, which is going to be a tough game. North Alabama. And then at Florida in the Swamp. So they got three ranked teams left on their schedule. There's still some spots where they could get a loss. But man, I I see them getting to the playoffs, dude. I see them coming. There's a path for sure. This was not maybe a heavy hitter based on rankings going into this game. But this game brought the juice. Not unlike our swamp ass from another long road trip with the Big Ten backers. Another 1,030 miles of pure taint sweat. Clemson started off strong. They got off to like a 10 nothing lead. And they just ran out of stamina. And then, man, Florida State has a quarter in the second quarter. And they bring in 17 unanswered points. I still see in that Clemson O-line is the problems. Klubnik was getting pressured all game and running for his life. Dolech, when he got that hit on Klubnik, knocked that ball out, got the sack, fumble, and bring back for a tutty. Man, that was a game changer. Ended up in overtime, man. Clemson is still a good team. Even though they were 0-2 in the ACC. Ouch. That's hard for even me to say, and I think Dabo's a douche. I mean, I kind of got to feel the same way about Dabo. It's a little cheesy to me, but let's get on to the Big Ten. Big Ten Roundup. Beef, we got our big on big game of the week. That's number 24, Iowa. Traveled out to number 7, Penn State. Penn State poked the eye of Iowa. 31 to not a goddamn point. Yeah, it's more like big on little after that. I mean, it sure was. Franklin and his boys, they put it on these lifeless Hawkeyes. Man, he strikes again like he's the Empire. He held Iowa to four first downs. It's a damn shame. I mean, this was straight dumb. They get the win in the wideout, and just like Holly Berry, 
Whiteout always looks amazing. Penn State is legit, man. Michigan, Ohio State better be on notice because they coming just like a Tucker. I mean, Brian should be fired. Fired. Should have never been hired. What a joke, man. If his dad wasn't his dad, he would never have this job. He wouldn't still have this job. I better move on quick. This is the saddest thing I've ever seen. I mean, can someone give Brian a sympathy fuck? This dude needs it. They need to move him to the self-checkout position at Walmart. He just needs to sit back and watch somebody else do this shit for a while. What a joke. Beef, please save me. I'm going down a hole, man. Save me. Yeah, let's go. Iowa scored 24 points the first game. 20 their second game. 41 points their third. And a big old goose egg. Zero against Penn State. That puts them to a total average of 21.25 points per game. Game five, they're going to need 40 points. The next game, that shit ain't happening. They ain't getting 40 points again. Man, Drew Aller and this PSU team, Penn State, baby, we are. They're the real deal. And like you said, I can't wait to see them against Michigan or Ohio State. You're going to have to see some big dick swagging to see who's boss in the Big Ten East, man. They're making that Big Ten West look terrible. McNamara was 5 of 14 for fucking 42 yards, dude. And he was supposed to be their savior. It's a damn shame. Versus Drew Aller, first year starting quarterback. I mean, he had some games last year. Really, this is the first season as a starter. 25 of 37 for 166 yards and four touchdowns, baby. And then this Manny Diaz defense, they had four fumble recoveries. I mean, there's a thing with fours today. Four touchdowns, four fumble recoveries, held Iowa to four first downs. Man, Penn State's got something going. They're the real deal. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. These Lions are looking like they're going to challenge the Wolverines and these Buckeyes. Man, the Big Ten East is going to get interesting. But Beef, we got to travel out to another game this weekend. This was our Friday night underneath the lights matchup. It was it was a good time to be there. And Whiskey was definitely the better team against Purdue. They went at 38-17. to 17. I mean, Whiskey jumped out early, going to a 14-0 lead. Purdue tried to make it interesting late, but, you know, she done moved on. It was over. She left. And then Purdue, man, they're just not the team they were last year. Walters got some growing pains. It's kind of sad to see them kind of fall apart, but, you know, Walters just got to rebuild it. But, man, it was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. I got to give it to Purdue. It was a good time. We got to interview Tanner Mordecai from Wisconsin after the game. Beef, go ahead and break it Yeah, man, when he caught those passes, he was so stoked about that. Man, he seemed like the nicest guy, Tanner Mordecai. Very gracious in the interview and very cool. Very respecting of the Big Ten, him and his dad. Being their first Big Ten game and all, they got to see see some cool stuff, man. The thing that made this game not as bad as it could have been, though, was Chasma Lucy going down, man. You could see it from where we were sitting. The ankle just snapped. He had a tib-fib fracture. I haven't even checked to look, but I know it just because he saw a new joint in his leg. It was nasty. A poor guy, they got the air cast on him right away. And I think this would have been a nasty game. Purdue wouldn't even amount to a comeback if it weren't for Malusi going down. I can't remember. What quarter was it that he went down? Do you remember? I want to say it was the third. I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it was right around the third quarter, middle of the third quarter. But they would have just dominated. They, they could have kept the ball going on him all day long if they wanted to. And Ryan Walters, this isn't a rebuild. They won the Big Ten West last year. He shouldn't be rebuilding. He should just be adding on to making this team better, putting his mark on something that was already good. So, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, the cupboard wasn't bare. I don't know if this was a good hire. We kind of talked about it in the beginning of the season. We'll know after the season because no one knew the fuck Ryan Walters was. He's a fake. So far, he's a fake. He's got to win some of these games. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, maybe it's a credit to how good Jeff Brom was. I mean, he's definitely a good coach. 
So maybe he made this Purdue team look better than they were. But yeah, Walters has got to get this stuff figured out, man. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about Rutgers. Rutgers traveled on out to Michigan. Michigan destroys these nights, 31-7. to Guess who's back? Back again. The real Jim Hardball. Please stand up. He's back on the sidelines. It looked like Rutgers could have made this thing interesting in the beginning. Catch a slant, take it to the house. But that didn't last longer than the second quarter. And Michigan just shut up Rutgers, shut him out for the rest of the game. Rutgers just didn't, won't, and don't have the horses for this stable, man. They can't keep up with this this Michigan team. They're not breeders. They're just horse meat. When will these Wolverines be tested? We're going on what? Week five? They don't even have a good team in sight. I can't wait for them to play Penn State just to see if they get challenged a little bit. But this is another boring game. Boring stats. Boring highlights. But Beef, go ahead. Yeah, Rutgers lasted about as long as me after a cup of coffee and my digestive system bringing me to the bathroom, man. I gotta go right away. Coffee does the trick, bro. Michigan, it's tough, man. I mean, 31, what was it, 31 to 7? It's not a blowout, but it is kind of. I mean, it was a game that was out of hand, but it is Rutgers. I mean, they were 3-0. and I'd like to see more. I'd like to see a bigger blowout out of Michigan if we're going to keep them up there in the top four. But I guess we just wait and see. It's a wait and see approach, like you said, once they get to Happy Valley and get a test of those Nittany Lions. We'll see how they really are. You got to play those big games before we really know what kind of team you got, right? Another game we had up in the state of Michigan. Maryland traveled out to Michigan State, out the East Lansing. Terps snapped the Spartans 31-9. The Terps have the passing game going, and they took it to these Spartans. Michigan State is falling apart in front of our eyes, much like Mel Tucker's bank account. It's going down, down, down. I mean, it was 21-3 at the half. It wasn't a close game in the beginning either. Michigan State couldn't even make it halfway through the second quarter before this thing was over. I mean, I'm bored, Beef. I don't even want to talk about this game because Michigan State's boring. Take it away. Man, these poor guys catching a beatdown after beatdown after beatdown. Kind of reminds me of what it would be like for Jenna Jameson to go to her gyno appointment at like age 55 or whatever she is, man. Just looks beat up. Like we mentioned before, those those Terps, they're no joke. They're going to upset somebody. Good D. It's ranked 12th in the nation in points per game at 12.3. They're holding people to 12.3 points per game. But all we talk about is the offense. They have a great offense, but it's ranked 28 at 37 Point three points per game that they score. And I always like to go points per game because that's what really matters as we found out from the announcers in the Florida State Clemson game. Points per game is what tells you, you know, what kind of offense you got, what kind of defense you got. I mean, you can go into all those other stats, but that's where I like to go because that means you're winning or losing, baby. I mean, that ain't no lie. Man, I, I got to talk about this next game. Minnesota went to Northwest. Hey, man. The Wildcats hey. take it to the Gophers. I'm glad it's you talking about this game because I don't want to say shit about Northwestern anymore or Minnesota. Man, these teams are boring the fuck out of me. I mean, it is. It's bad. And I'm going to go in on PJ here in a minute. Man, the Wildcats take it to the Gophers in overtime, 37-24. to I mean, no wonder why this dude's fucking name is PJ. Because he puts his fucking team to sleep. He puts his fans to sleep. Fucking PJ wearing fucking ass fleck. When you think things can't get worse, they do under PJ. A weird game, man. The Gophers go up 21 to nothing. They have zero turnovers. And they lose the fucking Northwestern. Like, how do you go up 21 to nothing, have no turnovers, and lose to Northwestern? And you lost to the naked football snapping, man-on-man car washing Northwestern 
Wildcats. Like, what the fuck, PJ? How do you lose this one? PJ's got to be your fucking initials because you're putting everybody to sleep. You need to row row your boat on out of Minnesota and find a new job. You're a joke just like Brian. But Northwestern, I'll give you some credit. You scored 21 unanswered points to take this game into overtime, and then you sealed it and got the W against these Golden Gophers. Beef, reel me in. Wow. That's all I got to say is wow. That boat rowing is like going backwards, man. They just said, fuck it, drop the oars and let the wind take them. I got nothing else for this one. Just wow. I'm I'm actually just disappointed in the Golden Govers. I'm going to pull that one. I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. I mean, that's fair. I was mad at him. Well, let's get on these Brett Bielema cupcakes. Florida Atlantic went on out to Illinois. Fighting in a line, I get it. 23 to the Owl 17. Louisiana Tech at Nebraska Cornhuskers, and they win, baby, 28-14. And then Akron, fucking Ak, went to Indiana, and they took the Hoosiers to the fourth overtime. But don't worry, Indiana wins it, saves Big Ten embarrassment. 29-27, to damn. Making people look bad, Hoosiers. You're making people look bad. But hey, man, let's take a little break, me and you. You know, we probably got a little too heated in that segment. Let's bring in Jamie the Duck and let him talk about a little pack action. You got it. Welcome in, Jamie. Thanks for that introduction. I'm excited to be here again, especially after the week we just had in college football. Man, it's beautiful. And as always, Pac-12 is looking pretty damn good. We had some big matchups this week, and we had some changes in, in how teams and players are viewed. You know, let's, let's just get it kicked off, and let's talk about the Pac-12 Heisman rankings. I've got an updated list here, and I want to remind everybody, this list is how I see it as of today. That means each week it's based off performance. I don't give a damn about where these people are projected to be at the end of the season. I care about what they've shown me, what they've done so far up until today. That being said, I'd like to get started with Michael Penix Jr. at number one. That man is a baller. And I got to bear witness again in person. He put on a show against the California Golden Bears, winning 59-32. to He put up 304 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He played a hell of a game. I think he would have had even bigger numbers if his team needed him to do so. The Huskies jumped out early with a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown. They had it in the bag early, and I think that it just faded away just like that. So on the season, though, pretty impressive numbers. 1,636 yards, 74.6% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, while only giving up one sack on the season. He's leading the nation in passing yards, and that's why he sits atop number one for the Heisman rankings. Number two is a name probably a lot of the nation doesn't even know. I talked about him last week. He was my number five guy. He jumped all the way up to number two. And honestly, there's no ceiling for this guy. And that's Cam Ward, Washington State quarterback. He is sitting third nationally for passing yards. That's at 1,390 yards, 74.6% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions, while adding three rushing touchdowns. He's arguably played the toughest schedule out of any QB in the Pac-12 so far. He beat Wisconsin earlier in the season, and now he did it against Oregon State. He put up these ridiculous numbers against one of the top defenses in the Pac-12 in Oregon State. They won 38-35. He put up 404 yards, five total touchdowns, zero interceptions. The only thing I'd say is that he could have kept his foot on the pedal a little longer, and he would have had an even higher 
inflated stats. Next up, he has a bye, and then he'll be playing at UCLA, and I expect that to be another test. Number three, which is probably the name people are waiting to hear, and that's Caleb Williams. He's one of those players that I keep saying I have no doubt by the end of the season this will all shake out and he'll be at the top of the list, if not number two. He's put up 1,200 yards, 74.3% completion percentage, 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions, another goose egg on the board, while adding three rushing touchdowns. He statistically put on a pretty good show against ASU. I was a little surprised that they didn't jump out early and put him away. They waited till the fourth quarter to do that. He put up 322 yards, five total touchdowns, zero interceptions. Next up, he's going to be on the big stage again because the big stage is wherever Colorado goes, and they are headed to Colorado next week. I'm excited to see what he can do. Hopefully, they use the Ducks roadmap and they can, they can get a win out of this. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. He's just going to be matching numbers. I expect him to have a monster game next week against Colorado. Next up, my favorite player, Bo Nix, sitting at number four. Honestly, one through four, these numbers could change. These one through four are, are playing at such a high level and should be argued nationally, like not just out of the Pac-12, the Heisman rankings. I, I think that these are the top four players that are in the Heisman ranking as it sits. So Bo Nix, 1,169 yards on the season, 79.4% completion percentage. I repeat, 79.4%. Hell of an efficient quarterback, 11 touchdowns, one interception, while only giving up three sacks so far this season. He won a big game against Colorado, 42-6 his team won. He has what I wouldn't say is gaudy numbers for a Heisman candidate here 276 yards but that 84.8 percent completion percentage shows that he's balling out and dissecting the defense three touchdowns one interception if they weren't up 35 to nothing at halftime i think those stats just keep pouring on number five he was my 3b last week and i was a little hesitant on keeping him on my list this week because of such a poor performance that he did against oregon that's shadur sanders but his numbers alone keep him in the top five. He is sitting second nationally with 1,410 yards, 76.9% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, one interception, but that gaudy number that keeps him down on the list is his sack, 22 sacks. He leads the nation in getting sacked. That's not something to be proud of there, but that's why he sits where he does. People could say the offensive line. Oh, the coaching. No, we got to take ownership. When you're the quarterback, you're the leader, you're the person who's in control. You got to be able to let go of the ball. You got to be able to get rid of it before they get to you. There's got to be ownership there, and that's why he sits at number five. He's a hell of a baller, though. Let's go over his his, his stats against Oregon. Lost 6-42, to 159 yards, one touchdown, seven sacks he took against Oregon. He was getting beat up the whole game. They honestly, they didn't even score until his last drive of the game, where before that, he was sitting under 100 passing yards with zero touchdowns. So pretty bad stats, and they were inflated by Oregon being in cruise control. Next up, USC. Juggernaut of a team, not as tough of a defense. I expect him to be in a shootout with Caleb Williams. This is his redemption chance. This is to see, does he have the grit? Does he have the dog? 
Can he bounce back after an embarrassing loss and come back and show the nation why he was on that stage, why he deserves to be there? He's a baller. I expect him to show out against USC. I don't know if I expect to get him a a win, but I expect his stats to be a lot better than they were against Oregon. All right, AJ and Beef. Here's what I got for the three big games that happened this week in the Pac-12. Let's start off against Oregon-Colorado. Everybody's talking about them. Everybody's hyped up the Colorado train. Well, that train was derailed by Dan Lanning and the boys. His pregame speech, his halftime speech, man, these had me fired up. That Cinderella story was coming to an end, man. We, we don't play for clicks. We play for wins. Man, I want to I get strapped up and go out there and play for them. And they played like that, too. They played like the dogs. They played like they were going to show no mercy. I think they eventually showed mercy. They were winning 35 nothing at halftime. But an even crazier stat is with 7.09 left in the third, they were up 42 to nothing. Their yardage was 440 yards to 34 yards. I think after that, cruise control happened. Colorado scored with 2 minutes, 51 seconds left in the game when the game was far out of reach, or else it would have been a shutout. The Ducks showed why they're the better team. Colorado showed what a lot of the nation already knew, except for the ones who were blindfolded. Next up, Utah, UCLA. Number 11 versus number 22, UCLA went on the road to play Utah and they lost 7-14. to The big story was Utah's defense. Cam Rising was still not there, not starting, nowhere to be found, but they rose again with their backup quarterbacks. They didn't need much offense because the first play of the game after the kickoff, Utah had an interception that they took to the house for a touchdown. UCLA had a total of 9 rushing yards. They didn't score until there was 3 minutes and 39 seconds left in the game. Utah's defense is phenomenal. I cannot wait until Cam Rising is back. You put him with that defense, man, Utah is an absolute contender. And you have Utah, USC, UW, Oregon, hell, Washington State. Add them to the mix. They got some good teams out in the Pac-12. So I'm excited to see what comes. The next big game, Washington State, Oregon State, 21 versus 14. It went down in Pullman. This was the battle for the Pac-2 championship. The teams that nobody wants, but hell, these are two good teams, okay? I was so excited to watch this game this week, and it started off, I was like, oh, holy cow, look at Washington State's offense destroying Oregon State's amazing defense. Cam Ward put on a show. Man, but you could hear a pin drop towards the end of that game. We have a saying over here in Washington, and that's when the Cougars, when they have a game wrapped up, when they're you know ready to win, and then it just starts slipping, starts slipping, and then they lose it, that's Cougar it. I guarantee you that Washington State Cougar fans were absolutely thinking their team was about to Cougar it. They did it against my Ducks last year. They thought they were going to be doing against the Beavers this year, but they pulled out. They pulled a win out of this one, and and they're sitting there undefeated on the season. Cam Ward and the Heisman running. They have a team that's ready to compete with the likes of the big bad boys in the Pac-12. OSU outscored them 21-3 in the fourth. Put on a scare, but it wasn't enough. 
They did enough to win it. Washington State pulls out the victory, makes it exciting at the end. Good job, Cougs. Last up, Pac-12 after dark. I got to be present for the UW-Cal game. It started off with fireworks. We had an interception return for a touchdown. We had a punt return for a touchdown. The Huskies, they didn't need the help of, of Michael Penix Jr., but you knew it was coming. Their defense looked phenomenal. They had three interceptions, and then you add Michael Penix Jr. with his elite offense. They marched down the field. They put him away. It was 45-12 to 12 at halftime, and from there they coasted, ending the game 59-32. to 32. On the other side, which I thought, no way, USC's not going to have any trouble with this abysmal Arizona State team. Guess what? They did. It wasn't until, like, going into the fourth quarter, it was still Arizona State 21, USC 27, six-point ball game. USC had to use the fourth quarter to pull away from Arizona State, which a contender has no business playing at Arizona State's level right now. That's the one thing that scares me about USC. If I was a, a Trojan fan, I'd be shaking in my boots thinking about their defense because... It is trash right now, and it has not been tested against a good offensive team. They've played cupcakes up until now, and they're still allowing 20 points a game. I think it's going to be a good show from here on out. We got some good games every week in the Pac-12. Our Heisman candidates are going to go against each other. All that's going to shake out. These teams are going to shake out, but right now, you just got to be happy being a Pac-12 fan and seeing what's being put on display. There's fireworks. Let's see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me. Hope you gentlemen have a good rest of your day. I'm out. I'm going to bring out the trimmer, the ball trimmer that is, and trim the landscape. Number 15, Old Miss, travels out to Tuscaloosa and plays number 13, Alabama. Bama rolls the Rebels 21 to 10. Lane Kitten is the most overhyped coach in America. This guy gets more chances than a damn Monopoly game. He gets beat like mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. This kitten has always been more meow than scratch. He has one win over teams that finish with nine wins or more. The Fire Lane Kiffin comments will be back soon. Man, Bama was on life support and Saban said, fuck no rebels. It ain't going to be you. Not today. And the SEC is going to let Bama go ahead and figure this shit out. They're going to fuck around and let them figure it out. And all of a sudden, we're going to see Bama and a dogfight with Georgia in the SEC championship game. Watch it. It's coming. I got to give some props to Nick Saban. He ain't going into the night quietly. Bama ain't dying without a fight. Don't let this rolling tide get rolling, man. I'm telling y'all. They're going to start punishing the SEC. They're going to start figuring this out. Bama's defense held Old Miss in check. They only allowed them to have 56 rushing yards. I mean, Milrow looked a little bit better. He had 225 and a tutty. This Bama D was excellent. Well, let's look at the next game where the D was optional. Arkansas at LSU. Tigers hold on 31-34. to 34. LSU is up and down. Up and down. Fucking yo-yo looking asses from Baton Rouge. LSU comes out slow. They catch up and it's a battle for the rest of the game. Arkansas gets the take it into overtime TD with five minutes left in the game. But then LSU puts the ball in between the uprights to take it home. Jaden Daniels was pretty good. He was 320 and had four TDs. KJ Jefferson wasn't bad. He had 289 and three TDs. But the two interceptions were costly. LSU averaged 6.5 yards per rushing attempt. You would look at these numbers and you would think LSU would win big. But this LSU defense lacks D just like Dylan. That one's for you, Beef. Speaking of Beef, 
Let's talk about his Jayhawks. BYU took on Kansas, and the Jayhawks come out in the end, 38 to 27. Kansas's beefs picked to win the Big 12. They put together another solid win. How were they not ranked before this game? I mean, they are looking the part, but will they give Texas trouble next week? I'm ready for this game, boy. BYU has been gold. They took down Arkansas, a team that just gave LSU fits. But gold strike is over once they met these Kansas Jayhawks. Slovis put together a decent game. 357 yards, two tutties. But the turnovers is what got the Cougars off the mark. This was a damn good game. The Cougars get left behind late in this little gym. Daniels didn't have to do much in this game, but he was efficient. He only had 130 yards in the air, but he had three TDs. He did add another 54 on the ground. But that Kobe Bryant hit. Woo! If you ain't seen it, look it up. That Kobe Bryant hit. Shit was nasty. He hit the kid, caused him to fumble it, picked up the fumble, and scored. He was a one-man band. Let's get into AJ and Beeb's best quickies. Auburn played Texas A&M. Aggies win 27-10. South Carolina had to play Mississippi State. Gamecocks over Bulldogs 37-30. Texas Tech played West Virginia. The Mountaineers topped the Red Raiders 20-13. The Cyclones of Iowa State Take it to the Cowboys of Oklahoma State, 34-27. The Texas Longhorns beat down the Bears, 38-6. Boston College was at Louisville. The Cards, 56. Eagles, 28. North Carolina traveled to Pitt. Tar Heels, 41. Panthers, 24. Like always, like and share this podcast with your friends. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Thank you all so much. And God bless. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors at NIL Fanboat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the thread. Also visit the website, NILFanboat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today.